My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Evernorth Health services. Costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and Evernorth is doing everything in their power to make that possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best. It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that'll benefit your bottom line. It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible because they're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions, that's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, everybody. Today on Shack House, we're going to talk about the PGA Tour playoffs, the Ryder Cup ramifications, and have a very special guest, Alan Shipnuck of Golf Magazine. Should be a fun chat. But before we do that, just a quick note. The Lynx at Petco Park is back in 2018. I think the Padres are out of the uh, playoff contention house, so we can safely I heard that. pencil I heard in that. Some, some days at Petco, November 7th through November 12th. A uh, lot of priority for Padres members, Friar Wire subscribers, and those who registered on the wait list in the past to secure a foursome. Uh, tickets go, or tickets, tea times, whatever you want to call them, go on sale Thursday, September 13th at 10 a.m. Go to padres.com backslash the links, and it should be great fun again. I've been every year. I can't wait to see what cool stuff they come up with at Petco. If you're in the area, or even if you're in LA, Orange County, anywhere in California, come down to the links at Petco Park. House? Yeah, I can attest. We had a great time together last year, Shaq. We took on uh, Chris Salman, no laying up. I think he whipped both of our butts, but yeah. uh, we'll have, to do, we'll have to do better this year. Today's show, Shaq, also brought to us by our good friends at Proper Cloth, the leader in men's custom shirts. Shack House listeners, are you having trouble finding shirts that fit? At propercloth.com, ordering custom shirts has never been easier. Create your custom shirt size by answering 10 easy questions. Shirts start at 80 bucks and are delivered in just two weeks, and the perfect fit is guaranteed because if a shirt doesn't fit, they're going to remake it for you for free. That makes the whole process risk-free for premium quality, perfect fitting shirts. Visit propercloth.com slash shackhouse and use gift code shackhouse to get $20 off your first custom shirt today. All right, house, good to be back on the Shack House. I hope you've had a nice little late summer vacation while the playoffs have been underway. We we uh, moved some shows around, so we were away, but we missed two Bryce and DeChambeau wins. Uh, a fantastic uh, return to prominence for Keegan Bradley uh, today on a Monday finish at the BMW Championship. Tiger Woods played very well throughout the playoffs for the most part. Putter is a little bit bulky at times, but uh, all in all, he played three straight weeks. He looked great. Uh, nothing but exciting possibilities for him going into 2019 and the Ryder Cup, which we're going to get to. How are you doing? I'm doing great. You know, I expected to be having kind of a quiet and sleepy August. You know, the playoffs <laughs> in the past have not produced much in the way of, of drama. This year's playoffs were very interesting. Each of these events had their own you know, storyline and and drama. The the Deschambeau back to back really felt like it, it came out of nowhere, notwithstanding the fact 
that he'd been playing well. He was in form. You could say that about a number of guys. Kepka was obviously in form. Uh, uh, Frankie Molinari, you know, looked like he might be coming back for a little another taste out of the winner's uh, jug, uh, as it may be. <laughs> and and we've all been, uh, you know, looking at Tiger and reading every telltale sign to see if this is the week that he's going to break through. There was a groundswell of uh, opinion among the golf commentariat that this event at Aronimink was going to be the breakthrough, and I'll be gosh darn if he didn't show up and drop a 62 on all of us. Well, it, it, I thought it was a magnificent performance just because I really didn't think after two weeks he was going to be very motivated. He didn't play very well the one time he played Aronimink, but they've they've done a big restoration there, so it was a very different golf course. Um, and it was one that he clearly responded to, and and he made a nice run today in the final round. It's kind of the same thing that that we've been seeing, uh, just just hitting great shots, heroic shots, and then throwing in some clunkers. And uh, I wasn't th- I, the thing that stood out to me watching on television, not in person, but he, he didn't look as good over the putter as he did earlier in the year. He just doesn't look quite as comfortable. So he's searching a little bit on the greens, but. Um, these are these are incredible things to, to to think about that we're quibbling over this kind of stuff uh, a year removed from when he first got the the okay to uh, just chip and putt. So it's an incredible comeback and bodes really well. And and now he has a week off and and he'll play East Lake and then he'll turn up at the Ryder Cup and probably play a few matches with Bryson DeChambeau since they seem to be uh, kind of on the same page and he seems like a good fit there. Um, House, we, we also got, before the show started, the news that Tony Fee now is the final captain selection for the team. And Not uh, a so surprise. he rounds out a pretty he incredible U.S. It. team. Really. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when, when you think about Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson right now are the two guys you'd say are probably uh, the, the kind of holding, um, they're in a holding pattern in terms of their play. They're like, eh, there's just something. They're not 100%, but my gosh, to think like if that's going to be the weakest part of the team right now, uh, that's just scary because those two are, they're not even playing that badly. And no, you no. put them in a match play setting and, and a lot of things change with those two. It's going to be fun to see who they get paired up with this time and how they get used. But it's a it's a wickedly good team. I, was, I don't, I don't think Europe has much chance. It was fairly stunning for Spieth to miss out on the tour championship for the first time in however many years. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he, uh, it's, his it's last two tougher. rounds. This was this was supposed to have been, you know, uh, the 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 third round and fourth round um, were supposed to be rounds for him that cemented his place in the tour championship, and it went in the other direction. And I know there's some stuff going on in his life. He's got a wedding coming up, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's got a wedding coming up. He's uh, just been fighting the the putter all year, uh, and it's gotten better. And he certainly had a fantastic Open Championship. So I, right. I'm not, I'm not, I'm still not, I'm not. And a great Masters. His. I mean, he, he's he's allowed a, a a miss here. One thing I want to return to Tiger. I'm interested in your sense of this uh, and whether or hmm. not this 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 theory of mine. You know, I like to pop psychologize. Of course, a little bit, but this one has has a little bit of of uh, backbone in the in the data. Uh, the interesting thing about Tiger's sixty two, his opening round, and you know, folks put it in historical context. It was the second lowest round he'd shot uh, since nineteen ninety nine. Where it was the it is the lowest opening round since nineteen ninety nine when he shot uh, uh, sixty one. Um, but you know, he only missed two cuts this whole season. Yeah. And something that jumped out at me watching him in in the British Open, the, the the a lot of the commentary after the 62 on Thursday was tied to how he he was uh, constantly confronted by kind of an uphill challenge because he was he was coming out of the box on Thursdays this season uh, relatively kind of middle of the pack. The, his average position after Thursday rounds this year was uh, 42nd or 43rd, something like that. He led the tour, though, in Saturday scoring. His right. third round scoring, he was he was tops. And, and so it, it, it looks like um, he was playing to make cuts this year 
Mm. And that his Thursday, Friday strategy was solely devoted, wholly devoted to just ensuring that he would get four rounds in because, you know, he hasn't played competitive golf in in however many months. And he is, you know, finding out new things about his new body and what he's capable of. And so it looked like now that we're looking back, his commitment may have been get me to Saturday, get me to the weekend, and then I'll just I'll just go out and play some Tiger golf. I mean, I'm going to I'm going to press down on the gas pedal a little bit on Saturday and just see what I have. I'm going to fire at some pins. I'm going to take some big swings off the tee. And his his strategy and performance changed o- over the weekends. You know, this this most recent event, a no-cut event, he just showed up. It's like, well, I'm I'm, I'm just going to push the pedal down now. Let's see what happens. Yeah. And uh boom, 62. Um, you, you, what do you think about that? Well, he had very modest goals all year, and 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 early on, you heard people um, jumping on him that that uh, he's lost it, or he's just just never going to be the same. And um, and he kept saying uh, that he was he was pleased with where he was, and and considering where he'd been, and he's he stuck with that, and he was right to to have the modest goals. I think it was just shocking for people to see him not have goals that were uh to go out and win every time which used to be what he always said he was he was only there to win and and then you know once he contended at um the open championship and the pga that's put an end to that talk and you know there's going to continue to be the stuff that he didn't he didn't get a win and and i understand that that's fine people are more than entitled to pick on that but i i can't really envision how um he he could be discouraged in any way other than annoyed with his putting and um, for somebody who's putted so well. But I think even he, he has the wisdom to know that he's older and he's not going to make as many putts as he used to and to uh, even not get flustered by that. So it just seems like everything about this is is positive. He's playing the Ryder Cup instead of standing around with an IFB in his ear and, and helping with pairings. And, of course – at the beginning of the year, who knows? Maybe it, it was hard to tell where the desire level was, and I feel like the that's the thing you see now is he's got the desire back to play three weeks in a row in the playoffs and uh, when he really that didn't need to. Um, and then to play like he did, I think it's pretty exciting that he's he's got the passion and now he's got this little venture with Phil that we're going to, uh, I think, hopefully talk about a little later with Alan Shipnuck, this uh, possible shells world of golf type uh, exhibition tour over the coming years that um, uh, makes some money and kind of allows them to, to be legends. So yeah, it's well, all I want very, play very, for very positive, but you're right. Right. That's it. That's the only takeaway. That's the only conclusion. I'm excited for this shell redux, the shell world, world of golf redux. When these two boys start putting up some of their own cash, uh, yeah. that's what will catch my attention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, and we'll I also, see. I I think there are some undercard opportunities here. Some famous, you know, folks that that love the golf. I mean, it'd be fun to see Michael Jordan out there. You know, he'd play with his own money. Yeah. No, I haven't thought that far ahead, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure they have. That's why that the whole thing is just seems still a little. I think it, uh, we'll, we'll find out that our friend Alan Shipnuck probably broke it a little earlier than planned, and that was positive in some ways, maybe, in getting yeah. it going uh, or getting it finalized, but it also, I think, has done some damage to the thing by getting it out there and people hear pay-per-view and they they immediately react because they get so much for free, understandably, and I don't think they understand that this is probably part of a bigger play with 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 uh, AT&T Time Warner and looking to show the, off their new corporate synergy and there's going to be a big effort to make this something fun and different. And I hope that, I just hope, as you know, that they go to some exotic places in doing this. That was what made Shell's wonderful world of golf really cool. And, and, and it needs to be more than just about them playing and having a money game or them playing as a, as a team against, you know, Rory and Sergio or whoever, whoever it is. But about going to, to unique places in the world of golf and telling different stories, I think people are hungry for that kind of thing um, that, that's different than week-to-week tour golf, and that's what made the, the old shells a lot of fun. So we'll find out more soon, or we're not far away. I'm sure we'll have a special pre-Thanksgiving shack house to, to when they finally have laid out for us what this is going to be and 
how this match is going to work. I, I think the match will be really fun, though. Yeah, you and me both, um, and I'm I'm looking so forward to our Tony to Finau. Uh, yeah. uh, we just wanted I wanted to talk a little bit about him because I think it's a great thing. Sometimes, yeah, I don't like the European team. I'll be honest with you, I don't like what they did in the final picks. You probably know. I I feel like they made a mistake. We've seen younger players now get thrown into the Ryder Cup and do very well. Something has changed. This group has either grown up dreaming of playing in the Ryder Cup, watching it, absorbing something, and we saw it with Thomas Peters last time for for Europe, Rafa Cabrera-Beo, who who was left off this team. I think it's just a, a crime that he was left off this team when you look at his year and what he did in his first Ryder Cup. Um, and th- I feel like this Europe team is just, I, it just is, um, I think Poulter and Casey were great picks, but I'm really struggling with the Stenson and Garcia picks based on their their performance. And you had European tour players who were very loyal to that tour, who performed on that tour. And this <laughs> this is a, a problem for them. If they want these guys to be excited about the Ryder Cup, they've got to be rewarded for playing on their, their home tour a little bit. So uh, whereas the U.S. team, I look at it as just a wealth of riches. I mean, they have every kind of weapon and foursomes and four ball play and, and I think in singles and it's just a loaded team the way everybody's playing right now. The European team looked like, to me like an overreaction to what they Yeah, the 5 out uh, of 8 rookies. Yeah. That's exactly right. So yep. so they were not going to have a repeat of that um th- this this coming one and and I I'm interested in getting Alan's take on this, but there has been in the past this reference to the to chemistry on the European side that has been kind of that uh, intangible that's yeah. elevated them, um, you know, taking the sort of cumulative weight and effect of the talent on the European side. The U.S. side has probably for the last, you know, 10, 12 uh, events had on paper, you know, a, a, a superior team talent wise. Certainly you never it's never been less than equal. Um, but the reason that the Euros have been able to be so successful is because of this intangible uh, thing that they've pointed to. Um, and it looks like they wanted to, to restore that. Yeah, well, good for them. And we'll find out how far chemistry goes and, <laughs> and track record goes on on this golf course. I, I do think that's um, one interesting thing, because before we did this show, there there was obviously some debate about that last pick and there were people complaining that why are we even at this point it's going to be Finau but then Xander Schauffele played beautifully Keegan Bradley goes out and wins and Keegan who is a great partner of Phil Mickelson at Medina um, kind of threw his hat in the ring last minute and um, yeah some people have not liked the idea of Finau because they hear this golf course is going to be kind of narrow and it's going to be a, a layup fest off the tee and, and it's going to be about accuracy off the tee. Uh, the one thing though that Jim Furyk let slip back at the PGA Championship, we had a little session with him after the main press conference, was that he said this is actually a really a second shot golf course. And Finau got picked, I think, based on the fact that over the course of the year he's been a lot better than the other candidates on um, playing shots into the greens. He's He's 22nd in strokes gain, and he was uh, something like 18th in greens in regulation. And so we seize on a lot of parts of his game. He makes a lot of birdies. He hits it a mile. But it was really, I think, his his uh, underrated iron play that that got him the pick. And um, But again, I, the U.S. had, I mean, a few years ago, we, uh, you know, 8, 10, 12, 14 years ago, we would have been so excited to have a Keegan Bradley make this last minute pitch and, and who, who had a little bit of history and, you know, brought these ingredients and, oh, yeah, get him on the team. But they're so deep that it really wasn't even a consideration, even though he, he won and he has this, this nice track record with Phil. So I just think it's going to be a very strong team. And, uh, hey, they haven't won in Europe since 1993. So this is their best chance uh, this by is a, far. It- it's far. a doofer. So it's going to be There's great a, fun, though. That may add some pressure. Who knows? It's a doofer. It's a doofer, Shaq. Well, you you are physically going to attend in person. You'll be in Paris. Yeah, I can't I'll wait. be sitting here at, at 2 in the morning <laughs> dreaming about, you know, uh, baguettes and cheese and red wine <laughs> uh, and some beautiful oysters. So please do me at least a favor. 
oh, a yeah. few food pictures while you're there. But let, let's let's t- let's get on the phone with the ambassador, okay. Brother Shipnuck, and see what he has to say. Hey, yeah, and before we do that, I just want to say this about Xander Shoffley. You know, he is a uh, a Callaway Odyssey staffer house, and you know this great week he had at the BMW was on the back of uh, his Odyssey O Works Red, the number seven CH putter. And he put it in play in Boston, and look what happened. He switched it out from another Odyssey, went from the five to the seven, if you were keeping track at home, and uh, he he just putted beautifully. He ended up not leading the field in putting. Keegan Bradley, by the way, did that, which is an amazing story in itself, the way he's had troubles on the greens. it's it's uh, So it's a lot of fun to see these guys who struggle on the greens make a little switch like Xander did, and uh, he's back uh, in the Tour Championship, which he won. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun to see if he he uh, gives Jim Furyk a headache by going out and winning the Tour Championship, uh, not being picked. But again, this is the problem Team US has. Uh, so anyway, thanks to our friends from Callaway Golf, makers of Odyssey putters, and all sorts of other great stuff. House, what have you got? Shaq, happy to tell you a little bit about our good friends at Bombas. Oh, yeah. Bombas, the socks. Incredible socks. They I. Are. I I'm going to get to the, the the parts that they want me to mention, but I'm going to start with my own, which is I played last week. It is here on the East Coast, particularly in the DMV, hotter than Hades. It is Dante's <laughs> Inferno, literally. But I'll tell you what, I love these socks. I, I I was out on the golf course in short pants. You have to wear shorts. I'm a, I like to wear long pants, mainly because I find myself in long grass occasionally. Um but the shorts with the Bombas pulled up. That's that was my look mm. on the golf course, Shaq. Oh dear! And and these things were not only do they 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 stay up. They they're they the oh, yeah. stay up technology is perfect. But they also are very very breathable. Let, let me tell you a little bit. Two years of research, development, multiple improvements in design, performance, and comfort. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet, Shaq. They have an arch support system, provides extra support where you need it most. A cushioned footbed, I'm telling you, that, that is a true fact. Yeah, that it's, is the key. The cushioned footbed. That's reinforced yeah. for comfort without added bulkiness. So I can single ply these socks. I don't have to wear two pairs of socks when I have my Bombas on. They feel like a hug around your foot. The stay-up technology, I mentioned it. They're staying in place without leaving a mark. Super soft cotton material. You don't want to take them off. Go to bombas.com slash house and use the code house for 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash house. H-O-U-S-E, code house, and you get 20% off your first order. Mm. Jack, today's show also brought to us by our friends at Tommy John, the revolutionary clothing brand that's redefined comfort for men and women everywhere. Jack, Tommy John does not give an F. (laughs) They give three Fs. Fabric, fit, and function. Tommy John's underwear, this is a miracle. I have it on right now. Performs like nothing you've worn before. (laughs) They sport... Shaq, this is important. A no wedgie guarantee. I've tested them. Yep. It's true. And and comfortable stay put waistbands. I mean, they're they're staying put. Yeah, I'm big on the waistband. I I hate bad waistbands and underwear. I mean, come on. What's the point of doing this to us if you're not going to have a great waistband? They, they, They passed all tests in that category. Luxuriously soft, feather light, moisture wicking. That must be why Golf Digest has rated Tommy John the best underwear in golf. For two years in a row, you could try their 360 sport fabric for the course, and they have a best-selling second skin for the 19th hole. All Tommy John underwear is backed by the best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. That includes their new life-changing women's underwear. I'll have to ask my wife. It's sold out in just six weeks, now fully back in stock. Hurry to TommyJohn.com slash for 20% off your first order, that's tommyjohn.com slash shackhouse. For 20% off, tommyjohn.com slash shackhouse. Go do it. All right, House. We have on the show today, Alan Shipnuck, senior writer forever, it seems like, for uh, Sports Illustrated. Now he's full-time at Golf Magazine since it's been purchased and separated from the Time uh, Inc. empire. He's a, a fantastic writer, great personality in the game. He's now a podcaster as well. 
Uh, the golf.com podcast is uh, really revving up with some great listens from, from Alan doing um, sit-down discussions. Also, some other great stuff on their feed worth checking out from the younger crew there. So, uh, But we wanted to have Alan on. We played a little golf with him up in Monterey. And, of course, there is no better person to talk to this time of year when it comes to the Ryder Cup, the personalities, Bryson DeChambeau, all the good stuff going on in golf. So here's our chat with Alan. All right, joining us now is Alan Shipnuck, longtime writer for Sports Illustrated, Golf Magazine, now golf.com, a family of brands, and a podcaster, too. You should definitely check out Alan's great pods online, some recent ones with Sergio Garcia, Stuart Sink, and Brendan Steele. And I got a huge laugh, best laugh I've gotten in a week, Alan, listening to you talk to Sergio Garcia, and you mentioned him being a mentor to John Rahm, <laughs> and he just steered the topic the other way. How you doing today? I mean, I was trying to lob him a softball kind of early on, but he wasn't having it. It was a, definitely a swing and a miss. But um, I still wouldn't. They're they're both so spicy. It in, in the Ryder Cup, it, it would be fascinating to watch them play together. They would either make a combined like seventeen birdies and win eight and seven, or it'd be a total disaster. I really hope they get paired just as a sociological experiment. <laughs> But anyway, I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me on the pod. I appreciate it. Well, you had to tolerate House and I uh, playing some golf recently. We thank you again for for that great excursion. We played 18 holes together. I enjoyed watching you boom drives off the tee. Your uh, iron play, uh, as the day went on, became more and more uh, uh, laser-like. But I have to confess, I did not observe the fact that you were playing single-length irons. Oh, is it... (laughs) Well, it, it's it's a subtle thing. I mean, um, I don't like to brag. You know, I don't like to make my playing partners feel inferior uh, because they've got outdated equipment. So I, I just kind of keep it to myself and just try and hit shots. And uh, you know, but it. I mean, honestly, I don't think I'll ever go back. I love the single length. You know, for those who aren't too familiar with it, every iron is basically the length of a of a seven iron. It's like a, it's between a six and a seven, and so your 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 four and your five irons feel great. They're short. They're easy to swing. Um, like the eight nine wedge are a little long, but every club weighs exactly the same amount, mm. and it's the same length. And so, you know, when when you go to the range, you feel like, oh, I got to hit my three iron. Oh, I got to hit my sand wedge. And uh, you know, on the wedges, the heads are chunky and heavy, and the shaft is short, and you have to stand close to the ball. And the long irons. The head's so tiny and light, and the shaft is so long. Like it's all these different swings you have to master. The single length is just the same swing over and over. And since I hardly ever practice, it gives me great confidence because you can pull out literally any club from the set, and they're all the same. So you you're the you're the DeChambeau of golf journalists. Well, no question. And I mean, honestly, that was what started me down this path because when before Bryson even turned pro, I did a big feature on him, and it was. It was kind of about Bryson, his, his swing coach Mike Shy, who's who's a disciple of the the golf machine, you know Homer Kelly's tome, which is a very um, uh, technical and very interesting theory on how to swing the club. And then David Adele, who was his club maker, and so Adele actually fit me and made this this single length set for me. And uh, you know, after listening to those guys talk about it at length, that that was what picked my interest and. So I've been using them for almost a year now, and I really love them. I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to write a story for for Golf Magazine about it. So I'm, I'm going to head down to um, Cobra because you know they signed Bryson and they've started their own single length set. So I need to see uh, how they're doing it and what's different about it and how their their fitting system works and all that. But um, I mean, honestly, right. in, unless you're an exceptionally talented golfer and you hit a lot of golf balls, I think single length makes sense for pretty much everybody because it's just uh, it's just so many so many fewer variables from shot to shot. Well, I, I you were an incredible ambassador as the host of our outing. Um, but I have to tell you my feelings are a little hurt that you didn't offer up. I mean I would have loved to have hit, you know, a, a single length like four iron. Uh, and and also the eight. It would have been fun to experiment a little, but I guess that just means we will have to play together again quite soon. Well, yeah, and 
you know, you, you were playing that that beautiful butter cut all day long. I mean, I don't think oh, anyone moves the ball as, oh, as much geez. as you do, except for maybe Bubba <laughs> Watson. Right, let's, I mean, let's... Start, start line is about 50 yards left of the target, and That's it just true. flutters back into play so nicely. I, I don't want to mess up your groove. My and my uh, my Gary player step through. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Enough with the mutual admiration society. All right. So since House and I last had a show, Alan, Bryson DeChambeau, who you mentioned and you profiled, I won two playoff events. And I know you as a writer and you know uh, me as a writer. Bryson is a sensational story in so many ways. Um, but is I'm curious, can you think of a more... Uh, unusual story to come along in, say, the last decade in terms of personality and approach to the game. And and frankly, you, you've been around long enough now. Can you think of anybody as, and I don't even really like the word technical, but scientific or uh, thoughtful uh, and introspective as Bryson to come along? No, he's, he's really a unique character and such a breath of fresh air. And there's so much going on there because he's got the funny swing and the funny equipment. And then he's got this beautiful mind as well, which which kind of powers the whole thing. And he's just, even if he played regular golf clubs in a regular swing, he'd be interesting right. because he's just, he's so smart in, and so in his head and everything he does, he does to the nth degree. He's kind of an obsessive compulsive. And um, I like that. Um, but when, when you, you know, you look at the way he's just blazed his own trail. I mean, I think he's really a, um, a transformational figure. Like if if you're some 16 year old kid out there, uh, and you up until the last few years, you thought you had to be a robot. You had to you had to try yeah. and swing it like Adam Scott, and you had to uh, or Justin Thomas. And you know, there's kind of these idealized golf swings that every kid at AJGA levels trying to chase. Um, and maybe you want to do something different, or you want to you want to have some funky clubs, or you have some out there ideas. I mean, Bryson has smashed all the molds. Uh, he's really made it okay to, to do things your own way. And, you know, it's, it's kind of this this moment in golf that's interesting because you look at the, the major championship winners, none of them have had a club deal, and they're playing all these mixed sets. And um, I think I think things are starting to crack open. You know, even you can extend it to Sweeten's Cove and, and mm. all the way architectures change. You, you look yeah. at the way the, the media has changed with – uh, you know, started with Jeff Shackelford dot com, and uh, you know now you have No Lang Up, and all these other people are coming in into the golf media through the side door. Like it's just kind of a funny moment in golf where where the old ways are starting to fall apart. And um, I give I give Bryson a ton of credit. Um, obviously, he's playing terrific golf, but I think he's a fantastic ambassador for just doing it your own way mm. and figuring it out and and not 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 being a conformist in a game that has always prized conformity. So, I mean, I love Bryson. I, I think he's he's a, just a, a fantastic development in, in our sport. And I think you have to give launch monitors some credit where we're going to see more people like him. Uh, all the, I don't know if you follow George Gankus on, on Instagram, but all these students of his have, uh, not all, but quite a few have very unconventional swings. And a lot of that is is traced toward, to launch monitors and, and looking at the numbers and letting those tell you what's going on as opposed to swing positions. And I mean, Alan, we're, we're now, you know, we, we remember people having cameras out there and trying to get in positions and you still see it with Justin Rose and some guys, but they're still getting more of a, it's more of a feeling to get to a certain number. And I think that's going to lead to a lot more uh, unusual golf swings going forward and a lot more power too. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned Gank because I can't believe I forgot to mention him because I just filed a huge story about the guy for Golf Magazine. Oh, cool! Um, yeah, he's he's really. I mean, he's he's going to change the whole business model. You know, it, it used to be if you can jump on a plane and um, fly to to see one of these big name instructors and pay him, you know, X number of dollars an hour, you didn't have access to their ideas. And he's he's going to launch this this new website where. You know, you'd be a, you're a subscriber, and you basically get all these videos, and you can have personalized instruction. And um, I think that's going to be that's going to be a game changer. I mean, you've, you've seen a re- revolution in golf. You know, they've scooped up all these big name instructors, and they're trying to uh, they're trying to do something like that. But this is much more of a grassroots movement, and it's a lot more just kind of organic. And yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, Genghis, is, he's he's the same way. I mean, he 
he does not have a prescribed way to swing the club. He, no. he takes all these guys like Matt Wolf at Oklahoma State or this kid, uh, Braden Thornberry, and they have funky swings. He just helps them maximize what they have. And, um, you know, I mean, I love watching Matt Wolf swing. He's a kid Wolf. who he won the. Yeah. Yeah, he made that putt to win the national championship for Oklahoma State and the last year. He just came to Pebble and then won a tournament here. I mean, he's he's an incredible talent. I mean, it's it's the craziest swing we've seen in a while, but it works. And so, yeah, it, it's there's just another log on the fire. I mean, th- things are changing. And I mean, I, I know I know for you, Jeff, you're probably like me. Uh, the, the more change, the better in this sport. I mean, it's so stodgy and so uptight. And so, in, anytime you have these kind of mavericks. Like Bryson or, or Genkis or whomever, uh, I mean, I think I think it's a great thing. Yeah, especially you, you know, I love the everything that's gone on in the, the the architecture setup of golf course side. I mean, not one person complained about the scoring this week. A few years ago, it would have been, oh, this is ridiculous, I, this is wrong, and and there's just been a shifting mentality on so many different fronts that are generally incredibly positive in taking the game to places that are, I mean, the, the, these playoff events have been pretty exciting and part of it's because they're just letting them go and play. And yeah, you can argue that the courses are maybe a little overwhelmed by the modern game, but I'd still rather err on this side of golf than, than the dreadful protect par crap that we used to do and, and uh, which could be so dreary. So, Well, what do you mean used to? We 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 just oh, watched the U.S. Open. A couple well, months it still ago. happens. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. And like what happened? It backfired. Um, right. So yeah, it's exciting. And uh, and now and now we have uh, podcasting as well, kind of undermining uh, things. Do you, House? I got one more thing I want to ask Alan here on this topic. Do you, you still enjoy uh, feature stories, Alan? I'm sure. I'm. I assume that's still that you're kind of your bread and butter, what you've always done, but. Your podcast discussions are great. I mean, they're filling a void now. These last three have just been exactly what I think is needed. It's just a, a relaxed conversation where you get to know a player better. What do you enjoy doing more? Well, they're, they're so different. I mean, I love the challenge of putting together a big story, and uh, I think that's what I'm I'm best at and as the entire uh, media and especially sports media and the golf media contracts and there's just, there's fewer people doing them and there's fewer pages to go around. I think, uh, I think that's where I have the most value, but the, um, uh, the podcasts are, are definitely fun cause it's, it's a different discipline and, uh, it's refreshing just to press record and then press stop and then you're done. <laughs> I mean, there's a little yeah. technical stuff at the back end, but you know, I'm not, not bleeding on my keyboard for days and weeks on end. Um, but it is, it is interesting because that's always one of my sales pitch to the players is like, we don't edit this whatsoever. I mean, this is, this is going to be a 45 minute conversation and it's very intimate. And, you know, the people listening at home really get a sense of who you are. And I I know it's a, it's a frustration for players where you, you know, if I do, if I do a big, if I do a big feature on someone all the time we spend together, I mean, I'm going to use 10% of my material, maybe 5%, you know? And, and so what gets left out may be important to them. It might be about their charity or it might be about their, uh, their high school golf coach. And, and you just can't put everything in, in, in a, in, you know, in a story. Yeah. There's, there's a finite amount of space. And if it's in print and if it's on the internet of just attention span, but uh, these conversations, you just, everything, every, nothing gets edited out. And I think that's, that's comforting to the players. And I think mm. that that helps them say yes and be relaxed in these settings. Cause they get to say exactly what they want to say with as much time and detail. Um, and I, I found they're, you know, they're very receptive because whereas like, if you go to the agents and you say, Hey, I want to, I want to do a podcast. Is so-and-so available this week? <laughs> no response. Like the agents, they don't care about podcasts. <laughs> they don't get podcasts. No. It's a total non-starter for them. There's no money in it. There's no traditional, there's no yeah. logos showing. No logo showing. No, key, key. Yeah. Yeah, all that. But um, if you just walk up to the players and they, they say yes, so uh, it, it's it's been fun in that regard. And um, you know, it, it it's also kind of fortified my belief that the, the players are more interesting than they're given credit for. And mm. I, I've enjoyed going to kind of these secondary characters and doing the podcast with them. Like I, the one I did with Stuart Sink a couple of weeks ago. Um, I mean, he was absolutely incredible. And he talked so candidly about 
overcoming these feelings of shame and, and fear on the golf course. And we, we went into forensic detail yeah. about the 72nd hole at the 2001 U.S. Open when he missed that 18-inch putt that ultimately cost him a spot in the playoff and you know, what that what that felt like and, and what it did to him. And, and then we relived Turnberry in like a, a really interesting kind of way, you know, when you beat Tom Watson and, um, and all these other kind of uh, mile markers in his career. And, you know, most people of Stuart think he's not the most charismatic guy. And you might think, God, do I want to spend 45 minutes with Stuart Sink? But I think anyone who listened to that was like, wow, there's a yep. lot going on. This guy is very smart. He has a lot of ideas about a lot of things. He's, unbelievably open and unguarded and talking about his emotional life as a golfer. Um, and so, I mean, it was, it was really, I think it was one of the best podcasts I've done. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, if you sat down and made a list of like the 50 golfers you want to, you want to interview, he might not be on that list, but I knew from some other interactions that, that he'd be a good guest. And then he, he just like, it was just a home run. So um, yeah, it's, it, it is, it is a fun new challenge. I only really started doing it last year and, um, but I'm enjoying it. And, uh, I, I think it definitely, uh, the people who, I, it doesn't reach a huge audience. I mean, I, I don't know what kind of numbers you guys get, but, um, the, but the people who listen to the podcast really love them and it really means a lot to them. And so that, that's kind of where we are in this modern media market. It's yeah. like, you got to give people what they want in, in different ways. And, um, so the podcast audience is quite enthusiastic and, I guess it's fun to serve them when you can. I'm interested in your take, Brothership, on the importance of chemistry and continuity. You've kind of touched on it a little bit, uh, both in 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 your observation of uh, Sergio's reaction to being a mentor to John Rahm, but also you know the introduction of an outlier. Uh, brain and and personality in the form of of Bryson DeChambeau, um, as we're we're now what three weeks away, uh, maybe a little bit less than uh, from the onset of the Ryder Cup, as we uh, approach, you know the the European team did a really interesting thing by using uh, all of the captain's picks were deployed on old vets, guys that have been there and done that without really, I felt like much attention to form because, you know, Sergio hasn't really been great for a while this season. What's your sense of, of kind of what informed those captain's picks on the European team and the overarching kind of theme of, of chemistry and continuity, how important that is? Yeah, I mean, it's even beyond that. I mean, the Ryder Cup is very cliquish, and um, it's it's kind of the cool kids' table in the cafeteria. And if you're not if you're not part of the scene, it's hard to break in. And you know, a lot of a lot of good young European players found that out. I mean, uh, there is this, especially in Europe, and the U.S. has adopted this model. The, the guys who become captains serve as apprentices for years. You know, Bjorn was a, he was a vice captain three or four times. Um, they captained the Sevy Trophy and all this. And so, the guys who have been on previous Ryder Cup teams, there's this intense bonding that goes on. There's this this feeling of trust. There, you know, they just know the secret handshake. And so, it wasn't a surprise that that Bjorn just went with with guys that he's been interacting with for ten years in Ryder Cup situations. You know, he he's comfortable with them, and he feels like he knows who he's going to get. Where you know, you take a flyer on um, a guy like Eddie Pepperell, who is a good player in good form, but he's kind of an unknown commodity. He's a little bit of a loose cannon. And um, I I think for Bjorn, he just didn't want to deal with that. And, you know, and when you get to captain's picks, it's also a lot about covering your ass. Because if if it comes down to the final match and you have you know, Heinrich Stenson, who's a major championship winner and a Ryder Cup legend that just has a presence about him. If he loses, you can say, Hey, we had our guy, you know, it was Heinrich. Mm-hmm. What more could you want? Whereas if, if you, if you've rolled the dice on some rookie, the, the, the burden and the blame goes from the player to the captain. So I think uh, that informs a lot of the choices too. You get, you get one shot to be the captain in this modern era. And if you, if you take a pick on an unknown commodity, it, it can just something never live down. So, um, there's a there's a, sa- a safety factor that also goes in these picks, but to to your overall question about chemistry, I mean it, it's definitely important. Um, 
form is also important. It, I think, you know, we need a Mark Brody or someone to dig, to dig deeper yeah. into what that means because you can find examples in both directions where oh, yeah. guys came into the cup playing poorly and they found it. Um, and uh, there's plenty of rookies who have come through with, with tremendous performances. It's hard, it's hard to really wait um, what's the most important thing in a Ryder Cupper. But, uh, you know, chem- chemistry is a very interesting thing. I mean, who would ever guess that, um, you know, Jordan Spieth and Patrick Reed would be the U.S.'s best team, but for whatever reason, they click. And, you know, Bjorn talking about part of the reason he took Stenson was because Rose needs him. He was the number one player in the world. And he's talking about, uh, you know, his Ryder Cup partner like he's some sort of, you know, security blanket. And, um, so uh, chemistry is big, and, and you know, you, you see how much Tiger has played practice rounds with Bryson, I think he enjoys his company. I think that Tiger thinks he can learn something from from this new young energy. But I think a lot of that was Ryder Cup preparation. I don't think there's any doubt they're going to be paired together, and they've spent all season building that chemistry. So uh, it's it it's a very ephemeral, a very important factor in all of this. And you know, it'll get played out in the specific pairings. And and um, you know, it, it's I. Especially on the U.S. team, we have so many good players who are seem so interchangeable. I think chemistry becomes a defining uh, question in, in, in how they get paired, and so uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what Furyk winds up doing. Well, it just feels like a to me this European team feels like one of the U.S. teams, Alan, from a few years ago, maybe like '95, when uh, it just it it just feels like kind of a, a tired. A tired vibe to this group, whereas the U.S. you just go, God, they're coming in with, they've got everything, they're loaded, unless everybody's game just goes in the toilet, they're going to make your prediction of U.S. dominance look great. And I, I'm, I'm a little surprised. And I know they have a golf course there, they've played a lot, so they have some, some form to look at there. But I'm, I'm a little surprised they didn't weave in one more young player, a Matt Wallace or Matthew Fitzpatrick. Um, it just feels like the Sergio pick. It just, it just feels, I don't know. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like that team's coming in, um, uh, with a lot of, uh, of energy, but it may change. Maybe Poulter gets them all in a room and, and gets them all revved up and, and they just turn into another great European team. I mean, it, it really sets up as Europe's last stand for this core group. And that, that was part of my, yeah. the, the, that column you referenced, you know, saying that the U.S. is going to dominate for, for so long. Uh, some of it is just demographics. I mean, if you look at the, the key guys on the European team, you know, Stenson is, what, 42, Poulter, mid-40s. Sergio is a very old and tired 38. Yeah. Justin Rose is in his late 30s. I mean, this is really – this is – those guys have, have been at the heart of the European effort now for a decade plus. And it pretty, unless something crazy happens, it's probably going to be Poulter's last Ryder Cup. It could be, it could be Stenson's last. Um, they absolutely. It's, this is it. I mean, uh, for that group. So that's going to add a, another layer of emotion and desperation. Uh, I mean, whereas you look at all of the best Americans are all in their twenties. I mean, yeah. plus Dustin, who's, you know, only what 34. I mean, this U.S. squad is not going anywhere. So if, um, you know, even if Europe wins this time around, I still like my prediction over the next 10, 15 years, the U.S. is going to dominate. But uh, if Europe loses this one, they're they're really in a bad way. So uh, it, it's going to be so intense. I think it's going to be an epic Ryder Cup. And the, the fact that Sergio comes in as the biggest question mark with the, the biggest target on his back that's just going to turn up the volume as well because he loves yeah. to stir it up. I mean, he's he, <laughs> he's been accused of gamesmanship by multiple Americans. He has a habit of saying the wrong thing in press conferences. Um, and he's just going to be this inferno of emotion because he's the defining player for Europe in some ways. If, if he plays great, they can win. If he lays an egg, they have almost no chance. And uh, so... The, it, it was already going to be an epic Ryder Cup. The fact that Sergio comes in as the 24th man just adds to it. I mean, it, there's just so much going on here. Well, and then House, uh, last thing I think we need to cover with Alan, connoisseur of WAG drama that he is, we do have a little bit of a late-breaking development for the U.S. WAG situation, do we not? Well, let, let, let me, bef- before we get to that, and that, that will be the proper uh, cherry on top of this delicious uh, uh, Sunday. Um, 
Alan uh, broke the news. I believe he gets credit for for breaking the news of the Tiger Phil matchup, which is the other thing on the golf calendar ah. to look forward to this fall. Can we get a little bit of uh, insight into um, how it came to to your front door? How this showed up on your dinner plate, and um, you know what what the uh, behind the scenes thinking was. Well, yeah, it was interesting. You know, I. I approached Phil a long time ago, saying when basically yeah, I've been a sports illustrator my whole career, and then this spring I went over to Golf Magazine full time, this big corporate merger. And one of the things that I've talked about coming coming in the front door is we have to make our covers better, more dynamic, more personality driven, not instruction. And you know, making a list of of guys who we wanted to get on the cover and Phil is near the top. He's basically never, he's always been a golf digest guy. He hasn't been on the golf magazine cover maybe ever that I can think of. And so, um, it was, there was a little process of getting Phil to say yes, but he did. And so I went down to see him and, and spent a good chunk of a day with him in Rancho Santa Fe. And this was, this was like in May and he had, his phone was just blowing up and he had to take it. He had to step outside and take a few calls. And finally, he basically just told me, you know, off the record, this is what's happened. I'm negotiating, you know, with Tiger and all these different entities. We're trying to get this match going. It's like, but you can't use that. Uh, it's not. It's not done, and it's premature. And I said, okay, well, fair enough. I mean, this story's not going to come out for four to six weeks. You know, there's a long lead time on a monthly magazine. I said, give me some. You know, I'd look stupid not to be to mention this at least. I'll just say, you know, there's. We kind of finesse the language about maybe um, uh, this match might happen, and then he kind of got in the spirit of it and said, "Well, you could, you know, I can give you, a, I can give you this quote." Um, and so this is all on the assumption that it was it was going to be played uh, around July fourth, and that feel you know at that time it's ninety eight percent done. We're just kind of figuring out all that stuff. We should announce it in a few weeks, and so I wrote my story. With, with some stuff about the match, basically because the magazine would have come out after it was already played. So, um, story gets sent off to the printers. The match doesn't happen on July 3rd. So, I go back to Phil. I was like, what happened? He said, oh, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. I said, well, we have a problem because this story's at the printer and it's going to become public when this story drops. Um I said, why don't why don't I just break the news on golf.com? That might actually help with the, your negotiations here to get you know it'll prove there's a there's a demand out there because the response is gonna be crazy. So Phil, you know, he's a sharp guy. He saw the value in that. So um, it was the week of Greenbrier. He gave kind of gave me some up to the minute quotes. I had all the material we talked about before. So then I just wrote the story, and then it didn't. It, you know, things went crazy and. Tiger's first comments were kind of lukewarm, if you remember. He's like, oh, I don't know. It's not done yet. But I think, you know, they quickly saw the reaction, and then the deal got consummated. So I don't want to take too much credit here, but I should be getting at least 10%, because <laughs> had, had this stuff not come out, and it, did, it didn't seem like there's much momentum behind the scenes. And um, so I'll take all the blame, too, when this thing's a total yep. turkey. But yeah. um, I, was, I am it, curious. It was, it, was it ever discussed in those early stages um, the vehicle, uh, that is to say how this was going to be broadcast on television. Um, because it felt like the pay-per-view thing was kind of a late breaking development, but maybe, maybe that was in the cards all along. Yeah, we didn't, uh, to be honest, we didn't drill down on the specifics when I was with Phil. He, yeah. he, he told me, I mean, he was a little coy. He said, we, we were trying to establish a new template. You know, we've got some outside the box ideas, you know, it's kind of like, like business school jargon, but, um, he he didn't he didn't say the word pay per view because I would have definitely seized on that. But yeah. it was pretty clear that even then they were thinking of ways to deliver this to golf fans in a non traditional kind of way. So I uh, I'm not sure when that when that became part of the model. But you know, what's important to note is that um, Tiger and Phil basically own this idea, and they they have set it up as their as their venture. So they, they're going to get a piece of all the revenue, you know, from sponsorship, from TV. So the guy who doesn't win the $9 million is still going to make a lot of money. Um, it's not, it, you know, it's like, oh, he's going to go home empty. You know, not, not even close. I mean, they've, 
And the idea is to play a few of these each year, take it around the globe, really have like their own wonderful world of golf, bring on partners. Mm. I mean, it, it, this is not a one-off by any means. Right. This is a this is a major uh, part of their the, their business life as their tour careers kind of start to wane. Well, it's a great idea in that sense. Hopefully, they'll get it all figured out. And and I, right now, that I think the reaction has not been positive to the concept of pay-per-views. So they'll. They have a little bit of selling to do and uh, an effort to convince people uh, this is going to be a fun thing. And I think they will. Uh, don't you? Yeah. I mean, I think you, just, you look at how the world obsesses every time Tiger tees it up. And this is, this is not some boring stroke play event that we've seen a million times. This is something yeah. fun and different. And um it's, you know, for for the quarter century, we've wanted these guys to, like, go at it in tournaments when, and it's happened, what, a half dozen times, if yeah. that. And so, um, I think I think there will be a lot of interest. And if, if being, and, you know, both Tiger and Phil are preeminent trash talkers, I mean, they, they both love the needle yeah. and it's rarely on display. If they really go for it, um, it could be, it could be fun. Yeah. Well, look, they they can't really go for it because if they were really going for it, yeah, there'd be a lot of beeping. Well, how about this? <laughs> I'm not worried about the beeping. This event is taking place on the the sixth anniversary of Tiger Woods crashing his Escalade into a oh, fire hydrant. Well, that, yeah, I mean, if you want to, yeah, if I mean, you want to break out the needle, limits, but uh, you show up you know, with I mean, a uh, fire hydrant on your bag. <laughs> yeah, that that would be some serious gamesmanship if. if Phil showed up on the first heat dressed like a fireman, but I don't see that <laughs> happening. Um, All right, let's but, let's get come on, let's get to the elephant in the room. What do you make of Paulina deleting all of her Dustin Johnson photos? This vital, huge story over the weekend. This has major repercussions for Ryder Cup opening ceremony yeah, well, drama it's, it's and really all sorts of other Dustin things because you know the wags are so on display at the Ryder Cup and. If they're having a rocky moment in their relationship and Paulina doesn't show up at the Phoenix Open, you know, nobody notices. But if she's right. not there in Paris, it'll be very obvious. Yeah. So um, the whole world is going to know in a couple weeks if if something's going on with the two of them. Uh, and it's such it's such an intimate, intense week. I don't think she could just show up and suffer. You know, remember when 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 uh, Nick Faldo was. Uh, you know, basically estranged from his wife, and she showed up at the Ryder Cup. This is like in the mid '90s, and the tabloids were all over it, and every interaction was was monitored with a microscope, and it was so bad. Yeah. Of course, they did wind up splitting up right after the Ryder Cup, and they didn't really fool anybody that week. And, um, so, yeah, I mean, it would be a, it'd be a great loss for um, the Wag Galleries if, if Paulina mm. down the road, um, but. Who knows? I will say that was another one of my scoops when when they first hooked up out in um, in at Kapalua. I broke that story. I also had Adam Scott cavorting on the beach with Kate Hudson. Yeah, and yeah. I had I had Paul. I had Natalie Golbus and Dustin in in Maui. I had like three years in a row of of major major developments in the world of <laughs> golf romance. And um, Maui is where the magic happens. Well, it wow, is. Well, you... It's also you can't you can't hide because everyone's staying in the same place. <laughs> like, um, I mean, there's a long version to the Dustin Natalie Golvis story that's abs- it's absolutely hilarious. But I don't know. If yeah, we we're gonna we're gonna do that yeah. one over the when we're all playing together with your single length clubs. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Shackleford's so corporate. He's just thinking about losing sponsorships. I mean, come on. What? The, no, the, I the love the single want length. It. I'm telling you right now, the listeners want it. I, I I have no problem with the single length. I think it's wonderful. I just wish you would have a, a Chrome Soft in your bag. I think that would have been nice uh, for the for the round. But other than that, it was uh, it was wonderful, and you're free to play whatever you like. Um, well, I, I appreciate as that. long as you raise your kids Callaway, then then everything's fine with the Shack House. So, um, well, well, did you notice on my driver? I am I am wielding an Epic. So you are. It was, it was an Epic messenger. driving performance. I will and it say it was. It was that. It was. Well, Alan, we thank you so much. We know you have coaching duties and some carpool duties and then obviously story-breaking duties. Um, so I uh, look forward to your coverage in the coming weeks. I'm assuming you will be in France. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't miss it. Leave two yeah. weeks from today. I cannot wait. Yeah. It should be great fun. 
Um, you guys do me a do me a favor and take a couple pictures of uh, some baguettes and yeah, cheese. We'll have I mean, some, let me live a little. Yeah, we'll we'll and some croissant. <laughs> we'll uh, yeah, we'll we'll live it up as much as we possibly can for you. Appreciate Hal. it. Yeah. All right, Alan. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate the time. Thanks, Alan. All right, guys, it was fun. Thanks for having me. All right, Hal. So wasn't that fun hearing from uh, Alan? I'm looking forward to his coverage from the Ryder Cup. He's always a an expert on all the drama. Uh, and of course, I'll be over there with him uh, for golf week. Should be well. Great he fun. he is the ambassador. I mean, he he had us out. He hosted us, and and as as the ambassador, I'm looking forward to seeing what he's capable of over in France. Yeah, I just wish that I had told him that net sales reached 120 million dollars in the first six months of 2018, up 25 percent for the Chrome Soft that he was not playing. Of course, I donated many Chrome Soft Truvis to the. Dunes rough, and uh, also the ocean on the 14th hole at the uh, Monterey Peninsula, uh, as you you probably saw. But I, I stuck the finish. I made, but hey, I don't remember. I I made par. I thought everybody made par on that one. Just a reminder, everybody. Shack House is brought to you by Callaway, makers of the Chrome Soft, the company that mixed the graphene with rubber to form the most incredible outer core that allows that ball to be so soft on the outside, and just just so. Amazing on the inner core, delivering the high launch with less spin off the driver, all that great stuff that the Chrome Soft delivers. So go out and get yourself some Chrome Softs. House, what's coming up on House of Cards? Well, Shaq, I'm not sure if you noticed, it is now football season. The NFL has arrived uh, in, in in with really a, a boom. I mean, thunderstruck right out of uh, Aaron Rodgers' hand. So we're going to have uh, my good pal Mark Leibovich has a brand new book, The Big Game. He spent four years talking to owners of various teams, a lot of whining and dining. I'm interested in getting his biggest and best stories uh, over that four-year span. And we're also, Shaq, you might not believe this, it's almost time for baking season. I mean, some people will say it's mm. always time for baking season, but when, yeah. the, when the change, the seasons change out here on the East Coast, Shaq, we have fall oh, and yeah. winter here. Yes, uh, yes, yes. I heard all that uh, that that raving about the seasons with um, is it Mangieri, the uh, pizza chef. Yeah, well, he's moving back from San Francisco. Yeah, he misses the seasons. Yeah, great. I'm going to check back and I'm going to play that that audio for you in January. Well, we're we're going to have a couple experts in in baking. Good. Uh, we have Sweet Martha's uh, chocolate chip cookies. We're going to talk to them, and our own Ringer's own Allison Herman apparently is mm. a closet uh, fanatic, baking fanatic. So, well, gonna, I've tried uh, to get you to Huckleberry here, and and Zoe Nathan, who is just a genius baker in in Santa Monica. One of these days, you will get there, and you will see that she is brilliant. Um, I I can't wait. Yeah. All right, cool. Well, I look forward to those shows and uh, some NFL coverage. Uh, you're probably on with Bill pretty soon as well, I would think. Well, I was on this past uh, okay. Friday, gave out one or two good picks, maybe one, one or, or two. two not so good picks, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll be checking in periodically. Uh, and check, you and I have the Ryder Cup obviously coming up. Another couple of shows still to go here on the Shook House, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Jack, Captain Jim Furyk made a very smart move by selecting with his final captain's pick, Tony Finau, adding him to this, on paper, dominant U.S. Ryder Cup team. You know, Shaq, what is not smart? Job (laughs) sites that overwhelm you with tons of the wrong resumes. Mm. Now, in addition to... Captain Jim Furyk being smart. Let me tell you something else that's smart. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Jackhouse. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter does not wait for candidates to come find you. They're finding those candidates for you. It's a powerful matching technology that's scanning thousands of resumes and identifying people with the right skills, education, and experience for your job, actively inviting them to apply so you're getting qualified candidates fast. No more sorting through the wrong resumes. No more waiting for the right candidates to apply. It's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the union. 
United States of America. Right now, Shack House listeners can try the ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. It is ZipRecruiter.com slash Shack House. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash S-H-A-C-K-H-O-U-S-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash Shack House. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like Ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 